we have here with us today Jay Mayer. Jay is a Flutter Google developer expert, currently working at Very Good Ventures. He's one of the admins of Flutter.com, which is built to help developers use Flutter. He's also the maintainer of some cool Dart packages and has a significant voice in the Flutter community. Cool. So let's just get right into it, right? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So, uh, how did you get into development? Like, when was the when was the time you started like software development and like you know what pushed you to get into the field of development in general? Uh, wow. Um, so development in general, uh, that's a long time ago. So, well, I mean, it's not that long. Like we have a lot of people in the, in the Flutter community, especially that have been doing programming for a really long time. Uh, I guess I started about, uh, seven years ago, uh, about that time. At that time, I, I, I barely knew what a for loop was, but I knew that I wanted to do something with computers because I, 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 I did a lot of sort of windows hacking and just messing around. I broke a couple of computers uh, for my dad. He didn't really like that, but you know, I experimented a lot. And then I was like, well, I, I, it'd be cool to sort of build something now that I love tech, technology this much. And then I just sort of started going into programming. And that was about, I'd say, uh, I'd say seven years ago. That's when I started doing uh, started doing my, um, uh, my college, uh, when I started college doing computer science. Um, where I started doing Python and then moved on to C Sharp a year after um, and sort of built up from there. So that's where that started. Yeah. So, so you started from Python, right? Um, so how did you get into Flutter? Because you're primarily known for your contributions to Flutter and the Flutter community, right? Uh, so how, when and how did you start like, you know, developing for Flutter? Yeah. So Flutter development didn't start until... Uh, about two and a half years ago. So um, at that time, um, uh, I mean, I still am in college, but um, that at that time, I uh, basically I met a couple people who had a, a great idea for a startup, and uh, it had to do with getting students fit uh, by by letting them take the stairs more than than uh, than getting the elevator. Basically, we wanted to increase the amount of people that took the stairs uh, regularly uh, instead of, you know, take the elevator to nudge them into uh, living a healthier lifestyle um, and coupled that with uh, giving discounts on healthy foods at the cafeteria. So we tried a concept for that using Raspberry Pi and my Python knowledge and everything. I was sort of the developer guy there. Um, and that went okay, but the project sort of flopped because um, the user experience just wasn't that great. And... Uh, uh, it wasn't that stable because it was basically this alpha build that we just sort of released. It all went faster than everybody thought it would. So uh, at that point, we sort of had a, a, a pause or a breakup. And then I'd say about uh, a year later, uh, we, we were like, okay, we need to pivot this. Let's build an app. And I had tried Xamarin before, and it was an absolute travesty. Um, <laughs> uh to me because it just i had a new project like a fresh project it wouldn't build and then it would build on a, on, a, on a colleague's computer but then uh, i don't know it was a very rough experience i tried android before and that was very confusing to me uh just diving into it with no knowledge like with fragments and intents and activities um so i wanted a a so i i just started looking for like uh, multi-platform solutions because I was like, okay, if we're choosing one platform, we're not going to be able to to release to um, to everybody that that we need to release to. 
And on the other hand, um, so, so we could release everybody, but writing two apps as a startup, as me being at that time, the only dev that, that uh, grew into two developers, that's just uh, undoable to us for, for as a sort of a side project. So I looked for uh, multi-platform solutions and I came across Flutter out of the blue. And it was really cool because it was the first time that I was able to read uh, UI code. Like I never understood activities and, and, uh, and fragments and all that. And I sort of got the XML type layout. I saw some iOS stuff before with few controllers and how you built that. But Flutter was just so, so easy to get, so easy to understand. It's just classes and this is a column, here's an element. Here's a widget. Yeah. This is a piece of text. It's so readable to me that I was like, okay, we need to get on this. And since then I've been doing that project and then grew into more community stuff and now doing it full time. So that's sort of the origin story of that. Yeah, that's, that's actually a pretty good, interesting story. I mean, who would have thought a failed tech startup would let you go into this wide open source community, you know, like empowering the community and building new packages and, you know, just helping out people. Yeah, definitely. And it's also pretty cool because Flutter at that time was extremely tiny. Like it was in alpha at that time. So yep. uh, there weren't that many people who were doing it. And that made it really interesting because, okay, you don't have that many Stack Overflow answers and stuff or resources, but that made it fun to explore. And the community around it was really small, which means that it's, it's I know those people to this day very well. They're good friends. So it sort of made this uh, small niche, but very uh, open community. Um, that then turn into something big, and uh, but it's sort of the feeling has stayed the same since then. That's really so. Cool. You have been part of the Flutter community for a long time, right? Ever since it came out in Alpha Build, right? Oh. Um, yeah, I'd say I joined a bit later um, because I got uh, I started doing live streams programming in Flutter um, on generic typing, and then uh so, so i did i did youtube live streams and then, and after the first one i got approached by simon lightfoot and he is the one of the co-creators of the uh, uh of the of a uh, of a slack group flutter study group and uh there's a bunch of uh, other stuff that he did and he basically invited me to it i joined and then quickly i was like this is a lot of fun so i became a moderator and and started doing more stuff towards uh towards community starting from that point so like as you said, right, in the initial stages of Plateau, when it was not that popular, I mean, it's pretty popular now, but when it, when it was not that popular, uh, and when you were, you know, building apps, did you ever have to, like, take a look into the source code of Flutter itself to figure out what exactly is going on, like, to debug apps? Oh, certainly. Um, that happened uh, a, a bunch of times, but that's, uh, well, I mean, it depends on what you hit, right? If, if, it's, uh, if you're at a point where you don't know how something works, you can just dump it, uh, dive into the source code and see what it's actually doing or the documentation, which was back then it was good. And now it's, I mean, it's amazing to me. Yeah. Um, so uh, looking into the source really helps with understanding widgets, but also debug them, right? Because there's bound to be a lot of bugs. So um, yeah, I, I did that a bunch and, and I sort of had to learn that from other people it's just like yeah just go into the source and i was like of course like that that is so second nature to me now but that's something i had to learn back then but yeah, yeah. that that has happened quite often which is something that you can't do like if, if you have a pre-compiled language or closed source you're just sort of screwed unless there's good documentation and get like having to find bugs basically means reverse engineering whatever the thing is doing so yeah, that's, I, I really appreciate the open source part of the framework. 
I mean, it's that simple. Like, if you don't understand, it's just like command click and just go to the source code, read what it's doing. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Just read it. Yeah, that's as simple as that. And even then, like, uh, you have a lot of situations where you want a widget. Uh, say that there is a widget that does something uh, you almost want, but there's a little bit of functionality that it's missing. Then you can either extend it or you know. The, um, uh, compose it together, but there are also situations where I'm like, I want an app bar, but I want it to be customized. So I just copy and paste the app bar source code, and I just edit it. So now I have my own app bar. Yeah. And because of how, um, excuse me, because of how flexible the framework is, I can just use that app bar wherever I use another one. So I don't know. That's that's really nice to be able to customize it to that level. If what the framework offers you isn't enough, just build it yourself. So you are the author of some open source Flutter packages, right? And uh, so, like, could you tell us how you like started writing packages that like you know contributing to the contributing to open source? And like, since this is the month of Hacktoberfest, right? Like, what are your thoughts on open source in general? Uh, so I I have one package uh, uh, myself, uh, which is Kanakit, which is a uh, which is actually just a pure Dart package. It's a uh, it's a package that allows you to convert from uh, sort of uh, uh, like Western regular Roman characters to uh, Japanese characters uh, and back. And I I needed that for a side project that I was doing, so I decided to open source it. And it's based on another library, but yeah, I think I improved it significantly. Anyway, um, so I, I have that package, but then there's a bunch of other packages from the Flutter community. Uh, in general, and that's what I sort of manage. I manage the Flutter community GitHub, um, uh, where we where we have a bunch of packages that we collect and try to find maintainers for. Um, so I, I mainly do the package requests and make sure that people uh, you know handle pull requests and that code quality is uh, set to a certain standard and that issues are handled that kind of thing. So that's what I mainly manage uh, for the Flutter community. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. Like, given that this is the month of Hacktoberfest, right? Like, it's all mm -hmm. about op getting started with open source. So, like, wh what do you think is the wh what do you think is the best way to get started with open source in general? Not related to Flutter, but in general, how do you think one should get started with open source uh, if they really want to? Uh, I think you should. Uh, well, you shouldn't do anything, but um, I think it'd be a great idea to just make something cool or something that. Uh, people want or you yourself are missing because most open source stuff is made out of necessity I feel or it's just plain cool but a lot of like I'd say 99% of open source stuff is made out of necessity and then somebody's like oh well I might as well build it and give it to the world right mm -hmm. and um, what a lot of people then not realize is that people are gonna use your code and they're gonna complain probably uh, or, or want feature requests or do issues and that type of stuff. And it's like, I had this with PubSpec Assist. The, um, the, that's sort of my first larger open source project. Uh, it's the Visual Studio Code extension uh, uh, for uh, dependency management. Um, I uploaded that because I was like, well, I, I want a, um, sorry for the rain, by the way, if that's audible. <laughs> um, I, um, I wanted a easy way to add dependencies to my project. And I was like, well, I love VS Code, might as well make an extension. So I did, and then I published it. And then I started getting issue tickets and bug reports. And I was like, oh, right, that's also part of the process. So um, uh, what I'd say is make something you think is cool or missing. Um, 
And if you can, or if you dedicate it, try to add documentation and expect people to use your code and either complain about it or uh, compliments and or or anything in between. So expect reactions from people and try to deal with them because the better that product gets that you're building, the more people will use it, and that's just better for the entire ecosystem in general. Like regardless of framework. Um, yeah. So expect people to use your your, your code, um, and and I guess start developing as if somebody is going to use your code because they probably will uh, because you just might like make a package that's really niche but is the perfect solution for somebody else so yeah <laughs> so like you mentioned right like you open source one package and like next thing you know there are 12 issues like 12 feature requests like it doesn't do this it doesn't do this uh, could you please have that <laughs> yeah. as well <laughs> yeah so like so maintaining takes us maintaining takes kind of a kind of a burden on the maintainer right like adding more features you know handling issues and feature requests how do you think a maintainer should go about handling that kind of stuff i it depends on uh it depends on how you want to maintain the software you're building i think because if you're you could just simply say like hey it's it's a it's a small thing uh, what i what i imagine will happen is let's say you you make something and you're like okay it does what i need it to do and I, or I don't even need it anymore. I'll just put it on GitHub, whatever. Um, it'd be nice if then, if you don't intend to add features or maintain it to make that clear or to make the repository read only that other people know like, hey, they're not gonna work on it anymore. And then somebody can fork it and improve it. And then they have you know the responsibility, so to speak, to maintain that. So there's that part. But if you do intend to maintain it, properly with you know not just bug fixes and updates so that it keeps working but also like feature requests then make sure that people know how to i mean the best thing is if people give you the features instead of just requesting them so i'd say make it easy for people to make features so that you don't have to do it yourself uh, like add documentation not just to the external api but to your internal code as well structure it well um uh, uh, add maybe a contribution uh, markdown file that, that tells people what they can do to contribute. And then hopefully you get less issues and more PRs. Um, that, that'd be the best thing. So I'd say make it easy for people to contribute and they will at some point, right? Um, because usually it's not like, oh, I see this package. I'm going to contribute to this. It's usually the other way around, I feel. It's like, hey, I'm using this package. It's missing this. Let me add it. Oh, yeah, well, now that I've made it anyway, might as well do a PR, right? That's what happened with PubSpec Assist as well. So I'd say uh, make, make, your, make your issues easy to handle and make it easy for pe people to contribute because that will uh, lessen the burden on yourself, I think. Mm -hmm. yeah. So you're a freelance dev at Very Good Ventures, right? Uh, That's right. Yeah. So what I was wondering was that a lot of college students or college developers, developers who are in college right now, they, they tend to get started with freelance dev with college, in college itself, right? So do you think that's a good idea to like get started with freelance dev, uh, you know, work on freelance gigs uh, during college? Uh, yes, I think that's a very good idea because the earlier you get experience, the better. It's sort of like it's sort of like what I what I hear about people who get their driver's license. You learn driving the moment you have your license. That's when you learn how to drive properly. Um, and it's sort of the same with with um, with software development or most jobs, I think, because as soon as you start 
like if you know how to do an algorithm or you know um if or if you know how to um uh, do like a data science or that kind of stuff that is all very useful sometimes uh depending on what kind of job you're doing but I think what people will value the most in a company or as a customer is if you can work well day to day. Do you know how to properly structure your Git? Do you know how to properly write documentation, do pull requests, uh, uh, do proper uh, feature adding, and uh, how to properly handle um, day to day work? So the earlier you get that down, the better. Um, but I would recommend to start working as a freelance dev sure but at a company first um because that way uh, you can learn from other people first because i wouldn't have been able to do the projects myself that i do right now if i hadn't first um worked with the companies that i that i have like very good ventures i've learned so much from them in just like half a year same goes for simon who i worked with before that i can now do my own projects but i know that if i hadn't first worked with other people before doing it completely solo um i wouldn't have been able to do the projects myself that i do with, uh, right now so go do freelance dev as soon as you want to and can um but learn first because that's very valuable later on that's 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 what i'd say so right now we're in this um period where we, where there are so many choices right if you want to develop an app uh, I mean, there's the, obviously the native way where you develop using Kotlin and Swift or Java. And then there's React Native, there's Flutter, and there's some other frameworks like, I think, um, Cordova, Xamarin, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah. So, how do you think these uh, hybrid platforms and these native platforms are going to coexist in the next four or five years? That's difficult. It always is. Uh, because five years ago, I mean, Flutter was a thing. I'm not sure if it was called Flutter yet, but nobody knew about it. Um, uh, well, first off, I hope that Flutter, well, I, I, th I think, I'm almost sure, by the way, because it's been only like two years since beta and we're already, you know, almost releasing web at this point. So I think in five years we'll have... Um, all platform. I, first off, I think that Flutter will still be around because it's so incredibly flexible um, and versatile that it can run on a fridge. I mean, it's it's it, it, you can deploy it anywhere, and as long as like we we I think as long as we make uh, good decisions on what to add to the framework and how and what direction it will go, new features, all that. I think I think it'll still be around because it's. Um, yeah, it's, it's very valuable. So first off, I think that Flutter will still be around and run on basically anything. I mean, Mech support is in alpha. Uh, people have gotten it to run on Raspberry Pi. So yeah, uh, it'll be there. Um, and other frameworks will still be out there. I mean, native will always be a thing. Um, it depends on what you call native, by the way, because um, if, 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 if sources are to believe, Flutter can be like the 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 main development platform for new OSs or whatever. So they'll literally run on Flutter, in which case that's your native. But so you'll have Flutter, you'll have native, and you'll have other frameworks too, because there's always, uh, it always depends on your needs. There are some companies that have written their entire tech stack in JavaScript and that can make an app incredibly fast in React Native because it's all in JavaScript anyway, so they can interface incredibly easy with their existing stuff. 
So there'll be there will be those kinds of frameworks for those types of people. So there'll be a lot. Um, I'm not sure if it's React because I'm not uh, if it will be React still because I'm not a JavaScript type of guy. Love TypeScript though, um, but um, yeah, there'll be a bunch of frameworks. But um, I think Flutter will still be around. Um, yeah, uh, but as to say what the landscape will look like is incredibly difficult because who knows what frameworks will die or be born. I don't know. Maybe there's a really big Flutter competitor that comes out next year. That's even better. Who knows? So, yeah, hard to say. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's kind of hard to predict the future, right? Like, oh, every, it's like every day a new framework comes out, right? And like, there's something new to learn. Every, every new week, there's something new to learn. So, I mean, I, yeah, I kind of agree that it's very hard to predict the future. Yeah. Definitely. So, you mentioned like, you know, you can run Flutter on a fridge, right? And like, somebody <laughs> made it run on a Raspberry. Uh, like, I personally saw that tweet. And it was like, very fascinating because like, that is not supposed to run on a Raspberry. Like, it's supposed to run on Android and iOS. How is it running on a Raspberry? <laughs> yeah, so like, and that's, and like, last year, uh, in the main Flutter event, they announced that they have this vision of ambient computing, or ambient display. Uh, where they want to like you know uh, run Flutter everywhere, right? Like like literally literally have a screen and basically because Flutter paints pixels on screen, if you have a screen, you can run Flutter, right? Yeah. So like, do you think that this vision that you know Flutter has this uh, Flutter has this vision of you know code once and deploy everywhere, right? Like how practical or how achievable do you think it is? And like if it is achievable, like what do you think is a practical timeline for that? Uh right. So what, what, what Google calls uh, ambient computing, I would call platform agnostic, which is just to say that uh, platforms shouldn't be a question anymore. Uh, it, it, you, you shouldn't have to wonder what platform you're running on. Exactly what you said. If you have a screen, you should be able to pay pixels on it. Um, and so uh, that's already sort of possible because, uh, well, it's already possible as people have demonstrated uh, because of how Flutter's uh, tech stack is built up where the only thing that you basically need to do to get a Flutter running on, on something is to um, take this, this one of the bottom layers, which is the runner, and uh, swap it out with something else that can interface with whatever platform you're running on, right? So as long as you can make the GPU paint pixels and uh, render text and do stuff like uh, input, uh, uh, touch input or button input, then you're sort of done. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of other stuff that you probably want out of have, having to support a platform, but um, the basics is, is relatively easy um, because of how it's built up, how flexible it is. Um, and um, as far as like when that will be a reality, I mean, it already sort of is. Um, so yeah, we're, we're already sort of there, I think. Um, could you repeat your question? Yeah, so I was thinking, like right now, Flutter is pretty prominent on Android and iOS, and they have, mm -hmm. uh, they're, they're becoming stable on web, and they're also releasing support for uh, Mac OS, right? Windows, I think, is still a bit unstable, but Mac OS has pretty right. good support now. Like, and, and there, I, I think what Flutter is aiming for is uh, to run everywhere, like even on Apple TV or Android TV, right? Like, just, if you have a screen, just, mm -hmm. screen, just run a Flutter app on it, right? So, what do you yeah. think is a achievable timeline for that? Like, when do you ah. think we're going we're gonna, like, to see that happening? Um, well, Android and iOS were first, but getting Flutter, which was at first called Sky, getting that off the ground took 
seven years, I think. Um, but when it was still sort of this web type thingy, it's great. If you look up on YouTube, um, there's really old, I mean, really, in computer time, it's ancient, but yeah. Uh, it's like footage from six years ago or something, or five, maybe a little bit less, uh, from um, Eric Seidel, the, the, the main guy who, who leads the Flutter project at Google. Um, and he uh, demonstrating this project called Sky, which wasn't even called Flutter at that point. And it's sort of this uh, like really webby type thing with you had widgets and, and it used Dart, but it looked way different. It's really interesting. You should look it up to see how far we've come. But um, so from that point until now, we've had Android and iOS. Web has been announced at uh, Flutter Live, I think. Yeah. I think pretty uh, that was. Uh, yeah, I think. Yeah. Um, so that that was that was announced, and then uh, let's see, it's in beta now, so we're almost yeah. So that's about two years, I say. Um, so that's web support, um, and then other platforms. I mean, Mac is almost there. Uh, well, that's a that's that's a big term actually, um, but Mac is not that difficult, I think, because iPhone's already there iOS is already there. Um, even so, I think Mac will be maybe a year um, about that time just to get all the kinks out there. Um, it's just not the focus point of the Flutter team at this uh, right now. But yeah, I don't think it's that incredibly difficult. Then again, I don't know Mac development that well. Uh, and then Windows. Windows is still pretty experimental. So I'd say maybe two years, but I'm really not sure. Other people could very easily disagree with me on that. Um, and yeah, other platforms, it totally depends. I mean, the community could come along and say, hey, let's, let's make Flutter run officially on, um, on Apple TV if, if, we can, if we can make an API around it. It'll be a big project, but if the community can get something started, then uh, maybe the Flutter team can pick that up and you know, take it somewhere. So yep. yeah, I, I'd say that's sort of, my estimated timeline, but um, it's hard to say because I'm not super familiar with those platforms. What is interesting um, to mention is that since Apple is now, uh, you know, doing their own processors uh, in their Macs mm -hmm. uh, with yeah. Apple Silicon, um, basically any iPhone app is compatible with a Mac now because the, the, the system architecture is the same. Um, now, Flutter can, can compile to iOS, Android, and Mac. But the nice thing will, will most likely be is that since iOS support is, is, is just stable, it's good. Um, it's been out for a while. And um, because iOS support is so good, there's a good chance that we can just run the iOS versions of Flutter apps on Mac, which will make them way more stable than having Mac support. So I'd say Apple, Apple estimates that the transition period from uh, Intel to Apple Silicon will be about five years. So perhaps in five years, or, or maybe a little bit longer, we can drop support for Mac officially. It'll probably still be maintained by a community, but Google might drop support for Mac because you, you can just make your iOS app work on, on the Mac. So yeah. that's sort of an interesting development uh, there that uh, was fun to point out. Um, the interesting thing about I feel, what I feel about the Apple ecosystem is that all of them use the same language, right? Swift. Like if you want to code iPad, you want to code iPhone, you want to code Mac. All of them use Swift, right? So like once you have figured out 
uh, interpolation layer between Swift and Dot, and like how the rendering works, I think it becomes relatively easier, right? Because I, then you know how, then you know how it's working, right? Yeah, I think I think so too. Then again, I'm not very familiar with the with the iOS or macOS stack, but it's all it's all Swift. But uh, uh, I believe that um, Mac uses uh, depending on what you use um, uses a different uh, rendering stack um, than than Mac does, right? So being able to run on iOS is is maybe as far as platform functionality goes close to but not at all the same as running for Mac. But I feel like what I've seen from the last couple of years is that they are really trying to have this one framework, one language, probably Swift UI, um, to, to rule them all, right? So if, uh, as, soon as, as soon as that's done, as soon as you can render, if the, if the way that you render a canvas is the same, then the rest is trivial, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, you are a Google developer expert. Uh, for Flutter and Del uh, Dot, right? Congratulations on that, by the way. Oh, thank thing. you. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> could you tell us a bit about how you became one and like more about the experience in general? What's it, what's it like being one? Sure. So, um, yeah, I, um, I first started doing the live streams uh, with generic typing. Uh, and that was that was a lot of fun. So I, I did them here and there, and I don't do them that often, basically because they're they're ex uh, extremely uh, time consuming to set up, do, and then do the finishing up on. And um, together with Flutter community stuff, that is just way too much on my plate at this point. Um, but I started doing live streams. Then I really enjoyed doing that, so I started doing talks. Um, and through doing talks, I got introduced to the Google Developer Experts program. Um, when at one point I did a talk in Macedonia, the organizer, uh, she was really nice. She asked me if I uh, had heard of the GDE program because she was like, hey, I think you'd be a great fit for the program because you really seem to, sort of tuning my own horn here, but what she said is, uh, you seem knowledgeable and you do a lot for the community. And I was like, thank you. What's the GDE program? So then I got introduced. And since she is a GDG organizer, she can recommend people to the GD, uh, GD program to be like, hey, I recommend you interview this person or, or get them involved. Um, so she did. And then I basically filled in a form that said what, what I did for the community and, and what I've done as far as, um, as far as projects go. And uh, yeah, and then I had a couple of interviews, one with uh, another GD and one with a Googler. And after that, it was all said and done, and I sort of got the certificate. Um, it went extremely quickly. Uh, like from the moment I applied, uh, with with my with, with sort of the moment I from the moment that I filled in the form until I got the email that I got in, it's like a month. It went extremely quickly. Um, so I hear that that isn't the case anymore because there are a lot of GDs these days and people sort of applying everywhere. Um, it was still a bit more niche back then but yeah uh it went extremely quickly and that's uh and the process was really smooth so i really enjoyed how how it went yeah. like could you tell us a bit more about how it's like being one you like i mean you're certified by google as an expert on these tech stacks right so like what kind of impact does that have on on yourself and how you interact with the community right so good question um I think it's mainly um, 
two things. One, and I'm not going to beat around the bush. You could put it on your resume, I think, because it's 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 sort of this. It is a sort of certificate. I mean, they have Google has another program that is basically like yes, they're uh, like a uh, there's this tech step certificate thing that isn't out for Dart or Flutter yet, but it, it is for other languages. Anyway, there's that. But yeah, th that's one thing, right? Um, which is nice. Um, sort of have like I guess recognition or, or, or somebody saying, yes, we vouch for this person. Um, but mostly what, what I get out of it is the ability, um, well, in the current climate, it's difficult. Nobody is allowed to travel. But um, usually it allows me to really easily go to um, uh, events and venues to do talks and presentations. So um, as a GDE, you can... Um, it's really easy for uh, developer groups, uh, Google developer groups, to uh, basically uh, sponsor you and, and ask you to come do a talk somewhere in the world. So um, having done that, uh, just it, it, now being a GD, instead of having to find a sponsor for, for an event to uh, pay for, for you know, flights or, or, or uh, accommodation, that kind of thing, I'm just the GDE, so they can, you know, through Google, we can arrange it, and uh, I can go to those to those venues way more easily. So it's more accessible for me to do talks and uh, do communication uh, around Flutter and Dart, which I really enjoy. So that it just just being a GDE makes that a lot easier, and that's the most important thing to me. So that's that's it's a sort of a bummer that I'm not able to travel as much mm -hmm. as I did. Um, but I'm still having a lot of fun doing talks or podcasts or that kind of thing. So, yeah. so like speaking of COVID nineteen, right? Like, hit all lifestyles pretty hard, right? Like for you, uh, it has affected the way you give talks and conferences. For me, as you know, as a student, mainly affected how I, how we attend classes and like you know give exams stuff like that. Uh, like how do you think industry workflows or like you know talking about your case, like you work at very good bunches, right? But how, how has that affected your workflow at Very Good Ventures? Um, I mean, it hasn't. I, I've, I've been very lucky with the situation because I've, I've, the only thing that I've noticed is that I'm hanging out with friends less and uh, college has been, has been a complete mess. Um, but um, as far as work goes, nothing's changed for me, which, and, that's, and that's really a blessing. I want to, I'd say developers, most developers in general are the lucky ones. Um, uh, it depends on your situation, of course, but I've always worked from home uh, because at first I worked with a company in the UK, so I worked from home. And then I went to the US um, for Flutter Interact, uh, met David there from Very Good Ventures and, and sort of got to talking. And then I went back to the Netherlands, started working for Very Good Ventures remotely. So I'm still doing the exact same thing. Um, so not that much has changed for me, luckily. Um, so... Yeah, I, I I haven't been impacted in, in that way. Um, and as far as my workflow day to day, nothing's changed either. Um, so, yeah, I'm I'm glad that I'm in the situation that I'm in. Yeah. So you're the admin of Flutter.com, right? Which is basically a Flutter community page, right? Oh. One of the uh, administrators, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, could you tell us how you build and maintain a, a particular community around? A certain tech stack like what kind of process that does that like you know involve how much effort does it require from your side uh well it's a, it's a good thing you mentioned the last part because i'm not doing it alone at all um 
the Flutter community is an organization with a lot of moving parts. Uh, but the main things are, uh, there are three main parts to it. One is the Slack, the Flutter community Slack, uh, which is open to everybody. And, um, and, and so um, we as a Flutter community team um, uh, all do different things within the community. We have some overlap, but um, you have people like Scott and, uh, and, and uh, Simon and Ash doing the uh, open Flutter Slack. Uh, the Flutter community Slack, so people can ask questions there, uh, do conversations, all that. There's also a Flutter Dev Discord, so that's a part. Uh, then we have the GitHub, which is the thing that I mainly maintain. So uh, there, uh, uh, the Flutter community GitHub is really about uh, collecting these packages that are built by the community, making sure, and doing two things. One, making sure that the code quality is good and that PRs are handled in a timely fashion, that kind of thing, so that they're maintained. And two, that as soon as a maintainer goes away or leaves or um, no longer wants to maintain the package anymore, that we find somebody else to maintain it so that the package doesn't die out. Or uh, this is a very common problem in all open source uh, communities, that somebody has a package and then people are doing pull requests, but they're not responding. So now they're making a fork of your package that they're also putting online. And now you have 20 packages that all do the exact same thing, but they all have slight differences and they're all not that great, right? Um, that's sort of what, what I want to stop from happening. Um, I want there to be, for every sort of use case, to be one package that is doing the exact right amount of things um, that is well built, well tested, that kind of thing. So that's sort of my goal there in the Flow Community GitHub. And there's uh, the medium, which uh, which which Nash and uh, Scott as well uh, mostly handle, um, where we have an article every day, as far as I recall, um, uh, made by a community member that we post on the Flow Community Medium publication. So there's content coming out every every day, I believe. So uh, all the time. Uh, that's the main three facets that we run doing the Flutter community. Um, and I've been having a lot of fun with that. Um, so since there are multiple people doing different things, I don't have to worry that much about the Slack or the Medium uh, because I mainly do all the GitHub stuff. And then so everybody sort of has got their role and there's overlap, but uh, it's really nice to be able to focus on one thing. So that's what I've been doing. Like when I started Flutter development, I mean, that media publication is really helpful. Like, I just want to take out, I just want to like thank you all for the hard work that you put in. Like, that, that media publication is really helpful. Like, when I started Flutter Development, that was, I used to constantly read articles from that publication because that really helped me a, a lot, uh, you know, in learning Flutter. So, yeah. Awesome. That's great to hear. That's, that's what we do it for. I mean. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, every day, like, we mentioned this earlier also, right? Like, Every week, a new framework comes out, uh, a new technology comes out. That uh, seems very interesting to all of, like, you know, it gains a lot of attraction in the community. Someone posts something on HackerRank saying, oh, it's so cool, and everyone checks it out. It goes to the top of HackerRank, stuff like that, you know? And, uh, like, wh what I'm trying to say here is that, how do you keep up with that, you know? How do you keep up with that tech stack, you know? Like, basically, uh, when, you, when you're in college, right, you're trying to specialize in a few things because you want to you wanna get your dream job. Right, you you want to work at Uber, you want to work at Amazon, or something like that, and you want to specialize in a few things, but you get sidetracked by these new technologies, which seem very cool, and the and the tech nerd inside you, you like, just begs you, you know, like okay, let's try this out. This seems very interesting. 
like how do you handle that um i would say i started doing flutter not because it was popular because it wasn't um but because it seems a lot of fun i mean we had a goal with the startup to make this application and it seemed fun to me to make an app but not to do it in the ways that i knew how to do it before and then i found flutter and i tried it out and it's a lot of fun i mean and it still is to me so that's that's to me that's the most important thing i try to just have fun and and uh, if if you're lucky you can get paid while having fun so that's what i try to aim for and uh, whether that means that I get to work at Google or Very Good Ventures or some other company I've never heard of, as long as I'm working with a technology that I find interesting and the people and, and great people, then I'm happy. So, uh, the, uh, of course, I'd, I'd love to sort of go higher up and, and that kind of thing, but I'm very happy with where I am just doing what I do because I love building stuff that people are able to use on a huge skill and applications are i think the perfect way of doing that um but there's a lot of different technologies coming out all the time um but yeah i would just look for something that you find fun and so if something else comes around if, if there's another multi-platform development framework that comes out at some point and that's has a that has a better future or is just more fun to work with then i'll try experimenting with it and who knows if there's a job somewhere that wants uh, that that where there are people that want me to do that to work in that technology and then i'll do it if, if if it seems fun to me then then sure uh but yeah there's new technologies all the time most of them will be in javascript because that's just sort of how the world works at this point um but uh that's that's not really an issue um so find something that I'd say find something that, that you think is fun and if something else gets on your radar that uh, gets on your radar that's more fun than, than try experimenting with it. I mean, there's, there's a lot of shit. You, can, you can't constantly be up, up to date about everything, but what helps is to be in channels that will tell you about new stuff. That's what's so great about the Slack because as soon as there's an update for a package or a new feature or some announcement, I'll get to hear it because I'm in those channels. So join communities and, and join channels. Join Twitter. Um, I mean, most Flutter people are on Twitter sharing amazing stuff all the time, um, like code pens and, and small stuff. It's all open source usually, so you could just try it out or new packages, whatever. So yeah, be in the open and be in channels and, and you know, learn from that. Uh, that's, that's a great way to stay up to date with all of that, I think. Yeah, I mean, I, I personally find Twitter very helpful. Like, you know, like everybody shares some tips, you know, like some tips or some code pens, as you said. Oh, yeah, and that's really helpful, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, cool. So, we just, uh, I think that's the end of the main questions. Uh, so, I just have like quick five questions here. Uh, so, we call this segment the Sketchy Banto, where we basically, I basically want to ask you five kind of satire questions, not satire, but like relatory work, informal kind of questions. Uh, and you need to answer them instantaneously. Like, uh, do not think about them. Just like, go for oh, it. Oh, cool. Yeah, fine. Uh, block or provider? Block. Yeah. Dart versus TypeScript. Uh, Dart versus TypeScript? Ty TypeScript. Yeah, oh. um, How many times has a client told you to make something bigger or prettier or better? Uh, every project at least uh six times until mvp is released 
Yeah. How do you feel about people who open spam PRs? Uh, can you repeat that? How do you feel about people who open spam PRs? Uh, don't. It's extremely annoying and it, it takes attention away from doing actual proper, uh, actual proper software development. So if you're going to do a PR for Hacktober or whatever, do something that actually contributes something. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. uh, what would you say is the worst piece of code you've ever come across? Uh, probably something <laughs> written by me. Um, <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, unless it's intentional, which there are a lot of websites of. I think there's like shitcode.com or something. It's like a lot of the worst code on, on the internet. Uh, Reddit also works. Uh, but in production, uh, I won't say which company, but it was a huge Java tech stack. Uh, and uh, it was just a mess to work with. Uh, yeah, I don't like Java in general, but this with like a Spark framework and dynamic databases, it was huge and unmaintainable and extremely slow. So I'd say that's, that's the number one. Yeah, anything that's yeah. huge and slow. Oh, I hate it. Yeah. Uh, I think that's it. Uh, do you have any questions for us? Um, no, I think I'm good. I mean, you did a great introduction at the start, so I'm sort of up to date, I think. Um, yeah, and I know where to, where to find your podcast. So yeah, yeah really, thank you. That's <laughs> what yeah. I wanted thank, to say. Thank you so much for coming on. We were really like, um, we didn't know if you would respond. Like I was like, kind of like, you know, shooting my shot here. Like, you know, like, let's just try sending a DM. Who knows, you know, like, oh, yeah, maybe yeah. you respond, maybe you won't. Yeah. Like, I just, I just like thought, <laughs> and, and your profile can be cool. And I, I, I've seen your package as a pop pops like a package before i've seen like you know you on github i was like oh like this person seems very uh, informative about Twitter and you know like seems to be uh you know very active in the community you know like it, it will be fun to record a podcast with this person and like uh yeah it turned out to be pretty great yeah thank you for thank that's you so really for sweet yeah. yeah thank you man that's that's okay. really kind of you um yeah it's great that i've been able to to help people in software development in some way and just yeah if you have any questions or something i'd love to hear them so yeah yeah thanks I mean, for having me yeah yeah, if we have any questions from our viewers, I'll, I'll be sure to send them over, yeah. Yeah, please do. That's a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you so, so much, Jay, for coming. Uh, yeah, take care. Stay safe. Yeah, no problem. Likewise, and uh, stay yeah. safe. Yeah. Have a good one. Yeah. Okay. Bye. Thanks, man. See yeah. you. Thanks a lot. Bye. Yeah.